Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. I have never before been to a town hall. I've never been before been involved in any kind of, you know, activism or political, you know, kind of movement. Um, but with this last election, there's just a lot of concern for me personally. Please don't yell out. This is America. This is Memphis, Tennessee. Take two aspirin and come back in the morning. Remember this? In the summer of 2009, angry town halls erupted across the country over the Affordable Care Act. Fast forward to seven and a half years later, where there is confusion again. If I had one question to ask, I would ask Diane, what is she going to do through this process to ensure that Tennesseans don't lose their coverage? This whole idea of just scrapping it entirely and putting so many people's health care in jeopardy is just is quite alarming to me. I have to have coverage in order to make sure that I don't die. There are people who have cancer that have that coverage, that have to have that coverage to make sure that they don't die. And you want to take away this coverage and have nothing to replace it with. As a Christian, my whole uh, philosophy in life is pull up the unfortunate. Yes. Okay. So the individual mandate, that's what it does. The healthy people pull up the sick. Yes. We are effectively punishing our sickest people. Mm -hmm. And I want to know why not, instead of fix what's wrong with Obamacare, why don't we expand Medicaid and, and make, have everybody have insurance? We have Washington-driven health care. And so what we're doing right now is we're going to um, repeal the Affordable Care Act and we're going to replace it with something that is going to be good. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs along with my co-host Shane Mason and we're two of the thousands of nurses on duty this minute. Well, Casey, first they say they do, and then they don't, and then they say they will, and then they won't. It's a big mess, so what are we going to do? <laughs> Welcome, Donna. Great to have you with us. Oh, so much is happening, but let's start with the most important. Where's the beef? The early Easter egg hunt in the Capitol halls. Did anyone find anything? <laughs> it doesn't make sense even if you were there, Donna. So right, let's just it talk about... <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. But what we're referring to, of course, is did they find anything to replace Obamacare with? Of course not. Of course you not. Know, of course not. You know, they, the reality is that they've had all these years pondering what they would do when they got their way and threw Obamacare out of the bus. And now they they can't come up with something, in part because, gosh, the guy at the head of their party now says health care is complicated. Right. Just now, <laughs> just now noticed how complicated it was. And let's ensure everybody. Yeah. Right. And the Republicans said, wait, that wasn't part of the plan, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. We so, thought it was simple. We take away their health care and they die. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so, Donna, if there were a replaced document, have you heard anything that might be on it? Well, yeah. I mean, we keep hearing the same kind of the same tunes about, you know, the whole allowing people to buy insurance across state lines. I'm like, great. How narrow would that network be? Let me go buy a cheap plan in New Hampshire and see how well that does in Colorado. I wonder how many docs be a part of that plan. But in any case, that's not going to solve the problem. They also have the, these ideas always about, you know, creating more competition and allowing people to have these great health care savings accounts that are going to cover the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands it can cost if you get sick in this country right at the right. moment. So, you know, it's, it's more of the same. Every once in a while, you'll hear them say that they're going to retain keeping people with pre-existing conditions covered. How
However, they also continue to say that the insurance companies are having such a hard time making money under this plan that they're going to have to let them charge five times as much for premiums for people over 50 years old. So those of us who are 50 and over, good luck with that. Five times as much as what other people may pay Mm. in premiums, as well as telling the insurance companies, All those, you know, those nasty little things we wanted you to do, like provide cancer screenings and well checkups and all those things, you don't have to do that anymore. You can do it if you want, don't have to. So it's not a matter of of just the insurance coverage itself having access to coverage. It's that the Republicans think somehow getting rid of some of the things that the Affordable Care Act said must be part of any basic health plan. The Republicans are okay with doing away with that, too. So it's just, it's awful. It is awful. So, Donna, can you clarify again the difference between access to health insurance and health care and the actual reality of affording it and getting it? Absolutely. And I think, you know, Bernie Sanders did it well last time. He addressed this, that, you know, he has access to buy a $5 million mansion, too, but that doesn't mean he can actually afford to do it. I, you know, I use the example, unfortunately, of my own situation. I have access to coverage. I purchased my Kaiser coverage on the Colorado Exchange, but when I go to want to have a procedure done, and Kaiser says to me, there's a $500 copay with that particular procedure, Donna. That takes away my access right away yeah. by, by filtering me out by my financial standing. And this happens to so many Americans that, yeah, access to health insurance is very different than access to health care. Two different things. I tell people insurance is a financial product. Health insurance is not health care. It's a financial product sold to us to improve our health and our wealth, which may do neither one very well. Yeah, and and on top of all this, it seems like no one's talking or pointing out some of the critical issues beyond the so-called repeal. Uh, Can you talk about what this would mean for jobs, for the health care clinics and others that count on the ACA beyond just the insurance part of it? And, you know, people often lose this in the discussion, too. As the Affordable Care Act allowed more uh, clinics to operate, there was much more money, thanks to Bernie Sanders, put into community health clinics. More people were hired not only to staff those clinics as healthcare professionals, nurses, docs. More people were required to serve those people who worked in clinics and so forth. So there was an uptick in the number of jobs that could be provided through the provision of health care to as many people as possible. With the loss of the Affordable Care Act, with the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, we can anticipate job losses in the tens of thousands. Uh, Colorado alone, I know I heard our lieutenant governor not long ago say that the estimate is 39,000 jobs would be lost in Colorado with their repeal of the Affordable Care Act. And much of that happens as a result of the block granting of Medicaid. So even if you could get yourself past this notion that we're going to throw a lot of our most vulnerable population, those people who rely on Medicaid for long-term care, for people who are, are truly poor and can't afford any other kind of coverage, if you could get past the fact that a block grant of Medicaid will make it much more difficult for states to cover everybody that was covered under the uh, expansion under the Affordable Care Act, 
you also then have the other problem that hundreds of thousands of jobs will be lost. Now, while you've got Donald Trump out there singing the praise of bringing 700 jobs back to one plant in Indiana or 1,000 jobs back to one plant in Texas, that's all good. But why, why is he not acknowledging that to repeal the Affordable Care Act will wipe out hundreds of thousands of jobs around the country. Well, Donnie, you forget that, of course, the coal miners will have their jobs back. So that'll balance the scales, right? And the other thing I want to say is I'm hoping that when they begin to try to take away the ACA, the Republicans that voted for Trump are going to be screaming loud and long because these folks haven't had insurance for all this time. And it is a question of life and death for many of these folks. I think that already we're seeing stories. I read a couple of stories last week, one in the New York Times and another in the Los Angeles Times, talking about people who had cast votes for Donald Trump, in part because, and we get this, we understand a lot of people have been suffering for good jobs and a decent living, and they bought. You know, they bought the line that, gee, we're going to make America great again and bring all these jobs back. And what they forgot to really, you know, look at the core of what the Republicans behind Donald Trump have had in their minds for a very long time, and that is to move us, you know, really, really far to the right on economic policy. And we've tried that. We tried that through the Reagan years with the whole trickle-down economics. That didn't work too well, and it's not going to work well now. No, it's not. Moving on a little bit, we we wanted to ask you, they talked a little bit about moves to raise the retirement age uh, for Social Security. What do you think about that? Well, good question for this week, because I was speaking this week with Alex Lawson from Social Security Works, and he was sharing with me that they really believe that, yes, the Republicans want to move to raise the retirement age. Paul Ryan has had that in his sights for a long time but that it likely wouldn't come up until the 2019 budget. Um, And therefore, obviously, the Republicans figure, I suppose, they can only do so much to so many people before the 2018 midterm elections, unless they damage their chances. But then I got a message this morning that also came from some of the staff at Social Security Works saying that things are in such a state of flux right now that the attacks on Medicaid are the first priority, that we're not 100% sure that that move to raise the retirement age will hold off until 2019. So we're just all going to have to stay very vigilant, watch what's going on, tell your, tell your neighbors and friends who, who are, you know, anybody who's got their head in the sand right at the moment and isn't watching probably is just scared and doesn't want to see. But the pressure is working. The pressure people are putting on is working. It's slowing them down on some of these moves long enough for the resistance to rise. So it matters that we stay engaged on this and don't lose sight just because we thought last week that they wouldn't touch the retirement age till 2019 doesn't mean that next week they might decide that that's something they want to work on right now. And we just have to stay very alert. Hmm. So, Donna, can you explain to me why aren't the Democrats doing a better job of getting the message out that Social Security is solvent So, and that Medicare is solvent? Because I, I hear all this like we've got to cut it, we've got to cut it, and I just don't see the Democrats saying, no, we don't have to. Why, why aren't they getting that message out? 
really good point, and I think part of it is, you know, Bernie has done so many interviews surrounding this, talking about how, you know, raising the cap, just raising the cap on Social Security taxes would make the Social Security program not only solvent until 2030 or 35, as it is now, but for 50 years. All we'd have to do is raise the cap, make sure that we're taxing people who make the highest incomes at the right kind of level and be fair about that, and we could make Social Security solvent for a very long time. I'm not worried about it for my generation because I know it's solvent. Why the Democrats are not making a better case for this, in part at the moment, I think, is there's so many things being thrown um, against the wall right now by, and I think this is a strategy by the Republicans, throw as many things out there as you possibly can all at once, and people will have to focus on the most egregious thing or the most two or three egregious things that are in front of us, and maybe something will actually get through on the other end. So I think we have to ask, continue, when we go to these town hall meetings, to call, and we don't exempt the Democrats from showing up and and for answering questions. They should not get a pass on any of this. We need to call them and tell them, tell your reps, we want you to get more information out there about just how solvent Social Security is, just how positive Medicare is, just how well those programs are doing, and get the word out there. Great point. We really appreciate that. Anything else you want to say to wrap up before we say goodbye? There's so much going on right at the moment. We just all have to keep telling each other that we're in it together. We're going to keep fighting this. More of the people who are decent, caring Americans uh, voted in this election than people who are on any kind of other track. And we have to remind one another of that all the time and keep speaking up protect each other, do what you can to help one another, and keep fighting back. Absolutely. So important, Donna. In the words of Ellen DeGeneres, let's be kind to one another. Absolutely. We've been talking with Donna Smith, our Healthcare in America senior correspondent. Donna is also the executive director of Progressive Democrats of America. For more information about this topic, visit nursetalksite.com. 